Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Hi, everyone. Okay, so we have made it to what will be the final song that I'm going to cover from the album Here My Dear, and it is the song Sparrow. I apologize for the long lapse from my last released episode, and I actually recorded this episode on Sparrow about a week ago, and it was, you know, long like you guys like them now, and it was so personal, I just something gave me pause on releasing it. So I actually went through and I totally deleted it from every place that, you know, you record it one place and then it saves someplace else. And so I went through and I deleted it from everywhere. And that has really had me at a loss for how to cover this song. And so I have not found a different perspective to cover the song from from my original attempt at recording an episode on it. And that just lets me know that, therefore, I don't really have a different perspective to cover this song from. I will say one thing, new vantage point, just in regard to my very personal vantage point, my personal life vantage point tied to this song a new vantage point that I've gotten as I've been trying to just find a different approach to speak to this song is to observe the very deep personal exposure that we are getting to Marvin Gaye's style of jazz. I would say this is like a full circle moment in Marvin's catalog for him really honoring his jazz motivated musical preferences right it's first out of the gate soulful moods of Marvin Gaye remakes of jazz standards from you know the decades before and you know it's it's not quite there because you know it was a it was the dawning of a new day in music and I just don't think that people really wanted to hear those exact songs again do you know what I mean I think they had a place decades past and he was just kind of stepping into his gift wanting to honor you know, what had been inspiration for him. I will state that that is one thing that I have found interesting upon my first reading of the book, uh, Divided Soul. 
was just, it was very interesting to me to hear from Marvin Gaye, who were Marvin Gaye's influences, right? Because baddest motherfucker that there ever was. Ha, got that in early. Um, but even, you know, of course, even Marvin Gaye had inspiration. He had people that he looked up to and respected and wanted to show honor and respect to, right? So when we've covered them, you know, it's, it's Nat King Cole, it's Sinatra, it's just kind of that whole genre of music. And, um, but I recall when it's, I know that specifically also it was Ray Charles for Marvin Gaye and it was some more very obscure blues artists that I have absolutely no idea who they are. And honestly, I'm, you know, I've always felt this way. It's like, <laughs> of course, it would be educational and whatever. But you know what I mean? It's like, I don't need to go and listen to whoever Marvin Gaye's influences were to be like, oh, my God, I'm going to find like the even better than Marvin Gaye. Absolutely not. So that's the reason why I don't really need to, you know, deep dive, do some research into finding any catalog music from whoever Marvin Gaye's influences were. That's really special in Sweden, everything, but yeah. Um, only Marvin will do. So yeah, that's cute that he, even Marvin, had some, you know, influences and shit, but um, yeah, I, they don't need to be mine. Okay, so. <laughs> But so, and of course, that is 100% my attitude. It is 100% not Marvin's. Marvin had influences that he respected and, you know, wanted to, you know, give some dap to. So, um, but yeah, this specific song, Sparrow, is definitely just a deep dive exposure to us of Marvin Gaye's personal style of jazz. It's like come to fruition, right? I think, like I said, Soulful Moods of Marvin Gaye, he's just recreating songs from the past that, again, right at that exact moment in time that he is trying to offer that to us as the listening public, it just wasn't the right time for being received. It just, it didn't hit. Um, that's not to say that his delivery wasn't very special and it wasn't this very pure, beautiful first exposure to what he had musically, you know, coming from the soul. But I guess kind of, you know, it's it goes back to something that I've stated about art and just with me, you know, throughout this process, too. It's like you when you create your art, you have to release it. You have to get the satisfaction and the release out of it that you needed to get through creating it. And that's as much as you can need to receive. You have to have your own satisfaction for the product. And then you have to only need that through the process. It cannot be about Save the Children is the most important episode of this entire podcast series, and it is not the highest listened to episode in the podcast series, right? Like, I can't give a fuck about that. <laughs> I know that it's the most important little 20-second blip in the catalog that I could first just, and if I could only, you know, it's like if I could only give you 20 seconds in the whole entire catalog, I have to give that to you. 
and it will fully make the point. It, it fully encompasses and encapsulates every single thing that is Marvin Gaye, the point of this podcast series. Um, but just because everybody that dips and dives in can't appreciate that, I, I can't give a fuck about that. That's not, you know what I mean? I can only put it out there and that's it. So when it is something that is so much more personal, like your music, right? Like that's just me trying to shout out to people to be like, Hey, this thing happened in musical history. This thing came from the most pure, baddest motherfucker musician that there ever was in the existence of the planet. Please be able to wrap your mind around appreciating how pure and just 20 seconds of heaven that we were exposed to and and have access to even more personal would be the person that created that you know what I mean and so if that message is lost upon you know releasing it to the world such as the reception to soulful moods of Marvin Gaye it can be you know of course you know that you need to only get the release and the satisfaction from within from creating your art and being satisfied with the art that you release and that has to be as much as you need you cannot be seeking what you need from outside right I think if there's been a message that I've stated repeatedly throughout this series so far through just my encouragement it's also that it's like you've got to be your biggest fan you've got to be your biggest supporter you've got to have your back the most of anybody you cannot be I need support and I need love and I need to feel encouraged and so I'm gonna do this thing that I have as my gift from within me and the only way that I will be satisfied and feel supported and feel loved is if I get the reception from everybody that concurs with that. You know what I mean? Like that responds to my release in that way, in a way that makes me feel encouraged. You know what I mean? Because it's like, no, 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 no. So in the case of your very first project out of the gate, you know what I mean? And you want to do this focus completely on jazz coming off of the Motown record label, the, you know, black pop youth of America sound. Well, yeah, no, maybe that didn't, that didn't work, but don't lose, um, what's the word don't lose encouragement don't lose your motivation don't lose your confidence don't lose your belief in yourself that you do have that in you and it it has the right to come out and you know eventually it can have an audience that will be receptive to it but fuck if the audience never is you know what I mean like trust that what you want to create is good enough and is beautiful you know what I mean? And so I kind of feel like from that very first effort like that to be what? So that comes out in 61 and this is in 78. I just confirmed again. It was like December 15th, 1978 that this came out. And and I was just reading 
through the book, I got frustrated with the book again, because it wasn't about Ritz, it, it didn't have anything to do with him, but it was just, you know, like I said, there's several different essays in that thing, so, um, but it was just stating that the original release came out 10 days before Christmas in 78, but that he had really primarily started recording it early in 77, and kind of did the bulk of the work in like a three or four month period there in 77, the divorce became final. He married Jan. It seemed like many months break kind of was taken from the overall project. And then kind of in March of 78, they kind of got back into the swing of things and just were putting finishing touches on it throughout the months until I think they said it was in like July actually is when Art Stewart kind of finished doing his thing with it. And it then just got I don't know, approved and, and whatever and whatever until it was released in December. So there even still was several months gap in between, I think it really being done until it was officially released. So um, that's kind of just some more specific backstory to this project. Um, like what else? What else is there to say? But yeah, no, definitely like in trying to find a different perspective to speak to this song on. I've just been listening. I have, and I actually haven't been listening to it very deeply. I, but I ha like right now I have it on my YouTube channel. I've got my YouTube video of it pulled up because I released this YouTube video, um, three months ago, it's telling me. And, you know, cause the song has just always been very beautiful and appreciated. And so, you know, three months before I got to this episode, I needed to make it the song of the day. You know what I mean? It's a very, very important and significant song in my personal life. But like I said, to only speak to it and just to go so deep into my personal life situation around it, I did not feel I was showing enough respect to the purpose of my project, which is to expose and share with everyone that listens to this deeper understanding and, um, you know, glimpse into Marvin Gaye and his process and where he's coming from to create each song. So, um, yeah, but like definitely like the whole entire vibe on this song is just deep and mellow jazz, right? It's deep, mellow, pure, gentle jazz and I think like that exactly is this full circle reapproach like uh, revisiting basically to the soulful moods of Marvin Gaye project for Marvin it almost feels like maybe this is his first time in full confidence to feel like he wants to just revisit that that need for release inside of himself, right? That need to generate just pure jazz, but to come from a place of what is his jazz? What is the sound of his jazz? Not remaking someone else's song, not interpreting someone's song, but like, what does Marvin Gaye's jazz sound like? And so if it was true that the versions of the vulnerable album were also recorded while he's in 78 while he's working on this project this song sparrow kind of very much is in the vein of the jazziness that those songs also convey that marvin 
conveyed in those interpretations, in those versions of those songs. Those songs are also previous standards and had come from a decade before and, you know, were a project that he did with another, you know, producer. And so it, it was not his original material, but it was like he was in a jazzy state of mind. It's I just kind of feel like if, you know, we're going by that timeline that in 77, that's when the divorce is actually going on. And then he kind of, it, that happens and he takes a break and then he gets married to Jan. And then he takes a break kind of from the whole entire project. And then he's stepping back into it in 78 and just kind of wrapping it up. It's, it's that elevation. It's that removal from the, you know, kind of venom of a divorce, <laughs> The venom of the demise of a relationship, the venom of the cementing the demise of a relationship, right? It's finalizing a relationship. That's a very, and it's the first side of the first album of this, you know, project. Um, oh, that just reminds me, this was something that I, I did have in my last recording of this episode. Um, what did I realize? I can't remember like what exactly has brought this to my attention lately, but I was stating that I think it would be really, really cool at this point in time for me to establish my very own complete if I could do it. And I would love to make that like a life's mission <laughs> at this point in time. I, a complete Marvin Gaye vinyl collection. It's so odd to me. Like, and that's what I'm saying for the long, for 20 years, 26 years here, vinyl has not been the medium that music is available. Brand new music is available on. You know what it is? It's some little artist that's out nowadays. I will admit, I pay attention to their music and they released a new song recently and they were like, this song is available like kind of for streaming and only other than streaming, it's available on vinyl. And I was like, what the fuck? Do, why is it on vinyl? But I have noticed, and I will put it in here this episode too, but I have my little personal ad that I am going to be running in my, my episodes again. I ran it in like maybe two and then I didn't, but it's like, no, I'm going to run it because I legitimately do rep for these products that I am endorsing. Um, and actually, I'm just going to do it right here in this episode right now. Like, I'll do it live in real time. So three products, right? I have this little commercial that I've made with some background music, but I'll do it right now. There's three products. And I'll start with Marvin, right? It's three things that I need every day. So, of course, it's Marvin Gaye. So I'm giving you guys in the show notes to the episode. It's a link that will take you to Amazon, and it'll just take you to the primary viewed it a search on Marvin Gaye, boom, the results for his music. But on there and through there, you can see available a lot of Marvin Gaye vinyl products or projects or, you know, results. You don't have to go to eBay and get like a vinyl from 1966. You know what I mean? It's like, I think that a lot of 
well, definitely the re-releases that are happening of Marvin's projects right now are coming out on vinyl. So I'm pretty sure that that 1972 concert that they remade of what's going on at the Kennedy Center, they released that on vinyl. So it's just like, I think it would be the coolest thing in the world for me myself to get my full Marvin Gaye vinyl collection established. Oh, I know why this came up also in the previous episode, because it goes to a little thing that I threw out. It's like, I want to be able to have the vinyls so that I could tell you guys this double vinyl project that came out, the first record, record A or record one, right? And then on side A of that record, these were the songs that were included. Like, I want to be able to give you where you had to go over to your record, pick it up, flip it over. And what did Marvin decide was the beginning music for that second side of that project? And that's what I was saying. Like, if Marvin was smart, and I, he was, I, he would have started like a side of a record on that project with Is That Enough? Because those first four seconds, uh, I made a mix disc one time <laughs> and I started it with Is That Enough? And I just thought that is the sickest way in the world to start a mix disc for somebody, folks, because it was for somebody and it, every single song was handpicked and curated but it was like put this disc in you know I just made every single song on here for a point and a reason and put it in and that's the first four seconds of course it doesn't sound like that but right the first four seconds of is that enough is how your musical listening experience starts on this mix disc that i made for you it's dark and it's deep and you know we're about to go into a journey here full so it was like if marvin you know what i'm saying was trying to just control every single element of your experience he would have started a side of a record from silence to first elements of music that you were going to hear being the introduction to is that enough not you're listening to that from the finish of the song before do you know what i'm saying so that's why it's like i would love to be able to have these vinyls so that i could see where did marvin just make his decisions for controlling what your beginning listening experiences would be. Back in those days, that is exactly what you had to contemplate. And then two other products, Sarah Hap. And I know in the recording that I've done before, it's I say it a little bit too fast, but it's Sarah Hap, H-A-P-P. She's a white girl, little valley white girl from California, but the chick knows about lip care. That's all she does. She only focuses on lip care products. And so being black and Mexican, I have very voluptuous, juicy lips. I sure do. And they need moisturization every day, all day long. And so, of course, you know what I mean? That being the case... You're going to be obsessed with finding something quality lip care wise that is going to actually get the job done. That has been a quest for my life as well. And then finally, one time I saw her products on air being sold and I was like, fuck it, I'll try it. I've got nothing to lose, but possibly something to gain. And from immediate, once I have had her products, I cannot be without them. That is the holy grail it is the answer to what you are looking for my sisters for sure please believe i am steering you to the one final solution product that you need in her line it's called sarah hap s-a-r-a-h-a-p-p -P. 
I have a link for this in the show notes. It will take you directly to her. You cannot go wrong with the lip slip. And if you only did one thing, just the lip slip. But what I have also loved is she has this little lip scrub. And I there's lip scrubs, a dime a dozen, maybe. But hers definitely works. And you do the lip scrub and you immediately follow it up with the lip slip. And your life is changed and it's together. Because when your lips are together, you are having a much better day. And then as far as like hair care stuff too, it's Shea Moisture. Um, I, when did this happen? It was probably like the beginning of last year. I had been on a hair care line for more than a decade. And just finally, I think my hair was just too used to it. You know what I mean? And so my hair was just kind of becoming bleh, you know, just bleh. I, that was like the constant results that I was getting from my hair care products, but I had been like on this one solid line for a very long time. And so I just started doing research and, you know, I will t- throw them out to the glam twins on YouTube, of course on YouTube, right? But they got me into thinking about other hair care products that I could try out and use. And they a little bit mentioned some Shea Moisture things. They mentioned too many things, actually, I will say. Those chicks, they put too many different things in their hair. They don't have, like, enough of a regiment for me. They try too many things. I don't got time to be trying this, that, and the other thing in my hair. I really don't. I can't do my hair that way. I kind of do need to have a product line that can work, that I can know I can rely on, and just stick to that. So among the many things that they use and try, Shea Moisture, a few things of their um, line they were calling out. And so I gave them a try and definitely without breaking my bank, which is what I've been prepared to do for, you know, a long time, um, just to try and get some good results. You know what I mean? You got to have manageability. You got to be, I have very long hair, so I need to be able to have something that allows me to do something with that hair. You know what I mean? I cannot just always have it thrown back in a braid because, uh, you know, that's what it needs to be in. You know, I need to be able to do something with that hair. I keep it natural. I don't apply heat to my hair anymore. I did that for the whole decade of the 20s and that was fine, but I just got done with wanting to do damage to my hair too. You know what I mean? I I never chemically relaxed it, but I used to always have heat straightening products. So I totally always wear my hair natural now, but see, that's that's where you got to have a quality product to be able to handle my half black, half Mexican hair. Okay, this is a thing. My hair is a thing. And so that Shea Moisture line, not every single product, I think it's it's person to person. I think they have different textures and thicknesses and consistencies of products for different textures, consistencies and thicknesses of hair. So I have honed in. I have been able to find the products in their line that work wonderfully for my hair and on a very you know reasonable budget I am able to keep re-upping on my products and keep my hair together so those are definitely products that I am legitimately repping for for you guys like I, I have no qualms with saying go ahead and check those things out which is why I will put links to them in the show notes but yeah, when it comes to a Marvin Gaye vinyl collection, I just think that that would be the coolest thing. I also just recently, I don't know where I saw that. Was it on Amazon or somewhere? They have these little teeny, because I was like, okay, vinyl record collection, that would be cool to reestablish again. But how in the hell would I ever be able to listen to it? And they have these just little teeny tiny portable, just little standalone little vinyl record players. Um, I never actually listened 
well, actually, did I? Yes, I did. When I was a very little girl, I did have my own little teeny tiny record player like that. It was a little 45. It was a little mini record player. So the sound quality that's coming off of it is not going to be, you know, connected to speakers and all of that shit. But I just think that, yes, to get a complete Marvin Gaye vinyl collection, it has hurt my heart to not have access to the vinyl of what's going on. Like, that's just that's just such an important. Oh, what's going on on vinyl is just so important. And so, yeah, I just very much think that like, I am going to make it my life's mission, just like with my Cary Grant movies. I will say my birthday happened recently. And for my birthday, I broke out one of those Cary Grant movies that I had that I never wanted to watch. And I watched it. And it was amazing. It was, it was, yeah, I actually watched, uh, did I watch another one? Yeah, I watched two of them. Because it's just kind of like, you know what, you life is not a given, you don't know how much of it you have. So better not like have some shit that you didn't get to. <laughs> Whatever that may be, you know what I mean? So I definitely went ahead and just sat down. I actually watched three. And actually two of them. I was like, I think I saw these one time, but obviously didn't make enough of an impression for me to be able to tell the whole way that I had seen this thing before. So that was really cool. Um, okay. But so yeah, Sparrow is just definitely Marvin having a revisiting, um, his pure jazz from within exercise. You know what I mean? And it, I think like he had pure jazz from within, from the very beginning, he just, the vehicle that he used was remaking previous songs. Um, oh my goodness though. Let's talk about this little song. Um, I made a video for it and I said I was going to do a series of it and I, this is the only one I've done, but, um, I was like, why is this the song of the day? And so it's covering this song that I came across since I started doing this podcast series and it is called, um, the good has to suffer with the bad. And so like I, I've told you guys about this series uh, of Motown unreleased music many, many, many times because that that actually was the very first time that I came across this, this Motown unreleased shit. And so, you know, it was project after project, year after year after year. And then I believe it's like in 1962, they had volumes. And I think it's like maybe they broke it out between the men and the women. So Motown unreleased Volume 1, 1962, The Guys, and then they have one, The Girls. But I even think there might be a Volume 1 and 2 of The Guys. And so there was so much music to sift through, right? And like I said, the only thing that I'm listening to on all of that stuff, and I still haven't even listened to all of it. Oh, my gosh. But I just would go through looking for, is Marvin on here? Is Marvin on here? And... Yes, Marvin was on and it was the good has to suffer with the bad. And I listened to it the first time. And the first thing that caught my ear the first time I listened to it was just this bell that somebody is dinging, that they ding it like way too loud. Like the sound level on that, the mix on that is way off because it's just it hurts your ears. It's too much. But then I had it on repeat. I just set it on repeat, repeat, repeat. And 
oh my gosh, it's just such a song for recovering from the loss of a love, you know what I mean? And it definitely is a song that you could listen to in 2020 as if Marvin Gaye had released it today and it applies and it's it's so beautiful and it is just so pure jazz and it is so gentle and it is so in this vein of Sparrow and it is just so in this vein of, I believe, the way Marvin Gaye wanted to deliver his jazz in his career and it never left his soul. It never stopped needing to be released and so the song Sparrow, six minutes and 13-ish seconds, you know, it's just this very beautiful, gentle, it's almost like incorporating a little bit of what's going on, mercy, mercy me, because he's like, did you say man is sucking up the land and speak to me, you know, just tell me what you see, Sparrow, tell me what's going on, like, you know, people are kind of they don't treat each other right and just tell me you know the way that things should be and where do you go and you know like what do you know better that we should know and don't ever go too far away Sparrow. you know what I mean it's just it's purely Marvin Gaye so this song he did co-write supposedly with Ed Townsend um but yeah it's just this is Marvin Gaye um at its purest mellow just this is Marvin Gaye jazz you know what I mean like if you wanted an example of what does Marvin Gaye jazz sound like not Marvin Gaye singing someone else's jazz song because he gave you another whole entire project like that the um, tribute to Nat King Cole right um, I will tell you, I made a song of the day video and I struggled with like, what song did I want to put to this? Because I love making my song of the days. You guys, I think you're checking me out on um, the YouTube channel. I know I've shouted out the number that I had before. I In one episode, I was like, I have 19 subscribers. <laughs> so I was like, way to go. Thank you, everybody that subscribed. And as of today, we're up to 68 subscribers. This is all completely organic. I mean, like, you guys are, I don't even know how everybody is coming across the channel, but, you know, God bless everybody that's subscribing. And I just, that I will say is like, probably almost my number one passion release satisfaction that I'm getting out of this whole entire project because I mentioned it once before it's like I will set about doing that by say I feel like I'm I'm trying to make some music videos for Marvin's songs you know what I mean it's like I don't have the technology to find these gorgeous images of Marvin that I'm finding and insert you know his mouth moving so that we could actually have him singing the song <laughs> Because if I could do that, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? But it's like I'm plopping Marvin into this scene that I, the you know, I can't get exactly to what I grew up on seeing. But that is always what I am starting to look for, for the image, the complete entire image that I put together. Um, so I had this one that I found. Um, and it's the, the picture of Marvin with the little, he's flying a little toy airplane. And along the lines of that Nat King Cole project, you know, because I, I came up with the imagery and I had that all together. And so I was like, OK, well, obviously, this is a tropical sounding song. So what do I have left to choose from? And 
and I couldn't really find exactly the song that I wanted to go with it. But then I went to that Nat King Cole project and there is a song Straighten Up and Fly Right. And so, of course, that would have went perfectly with that imagery. But I'm sorry, Marvin, I'm so sorry, but not that song. You know what I mean? It's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. That's not the song that anybody just, you know, like, I don't need to school you on <laughs> straighten up and fly right. <laughs> I don't, I just, I, that's not, that doesn't need to be the song of the day, you know, no, I just, it doesn't, that's to do with the song, that's not to do, but it's just like, oh my gosh, so, like I said, you know, Marvin had this jazz, and he had this re-interpreting previously released songs, but straighten up and fly right is just not... You're not, Marvin, you're not going to break through to somebody on that song. You know what I mean? And therefore, I don't, I'm not trying to school somebody on that song. But Sparrow, and now it's your interpretation. It's what is your message. It is what do you want your job. You know what I mean? I think it's like Marvin has finally accepted and stepped into your jazz I've you know what I mean it's like he's this far into the game he's this far into producing his own music his own sound gosh have we gotten it already on this project Ooh, you know I think he's in his groove with just putting it on you giving it to you what his sound sounds like I mean honestly it's the previous song the um time to get it together song he is laying it on us and he is playing it for us what his sound sounds like. It is so unique. It is so from within him. It is so it only sounds like him. It's not sounding like other motherfuckers surrounding him. That's what I always love about Marvin Gaye. You know what I mean? It's like that's one critique that I hate about uh, the album I want you so just you know the album before this the full album before this project they're like oh that was Marvin Gaye's answer to disco and it's like fuck that no it was not because that album is not disco it doesn't sound like fucking disco and if it's supposed to sound like disco well fuck it doesn't sound like disco so that's exactly how Marvin would do disco to make it not fucking sound like disco do you know what I'm saying like his sound was always his own. He did not sound like other motherfuckers around him because that thing, that's already how he's not able to sound like anybody else around him. Okay. It is the best, the most premium, highest quality, baddest motherfucker that there ever is. It's just, it's too fucking much every single time. Okay. Even on straighten up and fly right, okay? Like, that is very much Marvin Gaye's own interpretation of that song. It doesn't completely sound like other versions of that shit that I've heard. Even That's just a painful song. That's just a bad song. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck is... Oh, my God. Where did that song come from? Like, I might even just do an episode on that just to find out what is the fucking origin of our little crazy-ass song. Didn't nobody ever need to be singing that song, but... You know, Marvin did, and it's his sounds like him. So, yeah, but it's like, and I'm sorry, I don't think I've done the math, right? But from 61 to 78, is that 17 years? It's 17 years. It's, yeah, like 17 years, right? He is at this kind of 
ilt, the prime, the zenith of his creative mastery. You know what I mean? He's he's mastering this gift now. He is getting to the place where we're getting into enduring gifts. You know what I'm saying? It's like, eh, straighten up and fly right. Marvin. It's, it's that I want that to be an enduring gift. <laughs> That's the reason why it would have been the perfect song for the imagery that I had created for this song today. But baby, no, we're not now. So, but now when we're on this project, people, this is where we're at enduring gifts level, right? This is like stuff that for life can be relied upon. It can have this really deep, significant message that touches parts of your personal life, right? Like it touches and just draws upon and always will draw you to a personal experience in life. So I guess at this point in time, I'm looking, I'm at like 39 minutes into recording this episode so far, is how I will segue into just higher, higher, higher level of my personal experience, my personal anecdote tied to this song, which is going to be the complete inverse of how I recorded this episode previously. Like I said, this song, Sparrow, from Marvin Gaye's 1978, Here My Dear, track eight on this project. Uh, upon my very first time encountering this song, um, cemented such a personal, you know, just touch on my life. It's just, it's impossible for me to ever hear this song and it basically not be the autobiography of my life. And so that's, you know, I, I gave an almost two hour long episode of this song previously that I deleted and, and wouldn't release because it was two hours of just exactly the personal story of my life. And that's just not enough of Marvin. You know what I'm saying? So here's where now I will just, like I said, higher level, put a little bit of my personal story tied to the song. So I told you, I've come across this album when I'm 14. It's on the shelf in the living room. It's on vinyl. That's the way that I'm first experiencing it. And I somehow feel that like, I just was listening to it through the course of a week. And, um, been giving you episodes right now in the order that, of course, I was listening to the songs. Um, I think that somehow, like I said, I did get kind of right off of the bat more inclined to falling in love again. And so I feel like I was probably stuck on that song for a few days. But then it was like, okay, let me work my way through the project and kind of just get back to where I started from. And so for some reason, it was a night and I almost feel though, like that this was summertime. So, um, like very end of the school year, um, maybe if it wasn't the, I know, but I, I was listening to falling in love again, doing my math homework at the table, uh, in the kitchen. So I, I was in school, but maybe it was like the last days of school or something. So anyway, um, it's a summer night because it's just hot as hell. We did not have air conditioning in the house at that time. And it was hot as hell, but it was dark 
outside and so all the windows in the house were open we would always try and get a cross breeze right so you open the windows on one side of the house the windows on the other side of the house and try if there is any breeze to speak of to just get it flowing throughout the house like that so I was sitting in the front of the house in the living room at the stereo bookcase that had not the bookcase but just the case that had all of these records and all of the stereo equipment and the speakers and shit so I was sitting in the living room in that um area and we had a little love seat so I was laid out on this little love seat and for some reason I was by myself like I had managed like everybody was home but I was by myself and that's a that was a rare feat to accomplish in you know just a house with a family so but yeah it was very by myself it was nighttime it was hot as hell I was sitting by the open windows and then you know, and there was a breeze flowing. I do remember just feeling this beautiful, nice, warm breeze. And it was flowing through to the back of the house, which from where I was sitting, I was looking through the house. So through the living room, through the dining room, and then out was the backyard right after that. And so they had just gotten these like tiki torches that they had put up around our little cement pad that you know was like the the patio we had a cement patio and then our quarter acre backyard so you know but there was a good size cement pad and then they had these stakes right up along the edge of the cement pad in the grass you know like right as the grass was coming up to that and I feel like they were just to like keep mosquitoes and stuff away but they were giving off this obviously this really beautiful light so the only light that was kind of a part of this situation is from those those tiki torches in the backyard so just this really soft gentle candle light right and this beautiful warm night and warm summer breeze and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to hear my dear and the album right and then all of a sudden the song that's starting to play is Sparrow and it is just from jump it is just from immediate it is just from the very first lyrics of the song that he's singing. Um, I had no ability but to absorb this as like the autobiographical sound track song to my life up to that point, which was that when I'm hearing him singing the lines, aha, I have the lyrics here, supposedly, the supposed lyrics that, you know what, I'm going to be so surprised. Oh, this was something that I called out in my previous recording of this episode too is like when I get to the subject of lyrics um I need to clarify that of course I know that actually the lyrics are very subjective right (laughs) isn't that about right (laughs) Marvin Gaye lyrics and claiming that you know full throttle what Marvin Gaye lyrics is is a very subjective thing So, and I got, I schooled myself. I checked myself on that in the, is that enough episode where I was like, that's not this book. That's not what the lyrics say. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be the first time that I will concede that I have not heard this song correctly. And so it's like, I don't know if I'm going to do what his honor say. Okay. It was like, cause I just, for some reason, had always heard it as what is on the say. And of course that doesn't make any sense, but you know, it just flowed with the tempo of music. So I think that, you know, a lot of the time, um, 
it is very subjective. What did you just hear Marvin Gaye say? Not that he's a mush mouth singer at all, not at all, but it is his multi-layering of his vocals. Um, singer Maxwell, he seems to get some pleasure out of making the listener have to work to understand what did he just say. Like, he, he does that on purpose. He wants to barely whisper a lyric so that you have to work to understand what did he just say there and you probably can't fully understand it um but what did he just say you know what I mean so I feel like a lot of Marvin Gaye lyrics are the same way that's why I love that to this day that is you know what I mean it's that is another thing it's like with these Cary Grant movies I can't watch every single thing that I have it's like I kind of don't ever want to finally figure the fuck out what did Marvin say in um all the way around that is a song where there are some lyrics in that where it's like, what does he say? What does he say? And I'm not reading what, you know, AZ lyrics says or, you know, lyric genius or whatever the websites are. I'm not reading that because I can read that. And that is not what the fuck he says. And I'm not going to accept that that's what he says. Because I don't hear him saying that. You know what I mean? But I can't tell what I hear him saying either. So definitely know that I understand that in these episodes on this album in particular where I have been like that's not what he says when I'm reading whatever supposedly that he says here but necessarily whatever I told you that he says is not what he said either maybe you know what I mean so because when I was thinking about this like this is very true people like nine out of ten of Marvin Gaye's albums were not released with the lyrics included um the lyrics were not included on the vinyl of this album when it came out and I was thinking on this, I said that in my previous recording of this, uh, the lyrics were included in what's going on, Kenwell. Because it's a gatefold album. I guess that when the album jacket opens up, they call that a gatefold. And like, I guess that was a very big deal that they made what's going on on a gatefold jacket like that. And I recall, if I recall, but that's, yeah, like I have to have the vinyl, but I recall reading lyrics to those songs on what's going on inside of that vinyl jacket um but not on let's get it on not on i want you you know what i'm saying not on this so that's what i'm saying like nine times out of ten you got a marvin gay album and it didn't include the lyrics that he published and needed you to be able to read along with whatever he was saying so but okay so i have the book open here so i used to hear a sparrow singing baby but one day as I went along, I didn't hear his song. But I know a sparrow should sing, sing on such a morning in spring. Oh, sparrow, why don't you sing? Ah, <sighs> 14, sitting on that couch, warm summer night, by myself in my house full of a family, which, like I said, was a feat in itself. So it just allowed for some private time. I didn't really have private time. I have a private life now, and I need it. You know what I'm saying? But And I needed it back then, too. <laughs> but um, So it was rare that I got my private time needs. You know what I mean? Just I'm, a, I'm an introverted person, right? Like, I'm an introverted person. I do well on my own. I just I thrive more on my own than in a group. Where was I the other day? And I was coming out of something. I think I maybe ran into a store for something really quick. Fuck, what was I in? I don't, maybe it wasn't a store. I was coming out of something and there were so many people around. 
And I just, I remembered I was like in a rush out of that situation to just get into the, my car and be able to close the door and get into the quiet of my car. And as I was turning on my car, I just, it was automatic. I just, I was like, wow, that was too many people. That's my reaction. Like I shut down among too many people. Too many people is going to shut me down. It doesn't turn me on. Right. So I thrive on my own. Like I am definitely somebody most comfortable with my own company. So that being to be the exact circumstance that I was in when I heard those lyrics that I just read to you for the very first time and the gorgeousness of Marvin Gaye's interpretation of jazz, it's just the only, um, interpretation that I was able to assign to those lyrics was exactly, you know, where I was at that point in time in life as well, which was a girl who up to that point in time, definitely kind of thick in it at that point in time was somebody who had lost her sparrow. You know what I mean? Um, I used to hear a sparrow singing and it, I, it is exactly at these lyrics. But one day, you know, and it is, it's just tied to one day as I went along, I didn't hear its song. And I, I would say it instead of his. Um, but then again, but I know a sparrow should sing. Sing on such a morning in spring. Oh, sparrow, why don't you sing? Um, my mom, you know, so I've mentioned it in episodes so far that I wasn't raised by my mom, but that's exactly kind of, I would say the essence of me, of who I am as a person. You know what I mean? I think like that fact probably the most has shaped a lot of just who I am as a person, you know? And so it just goes to also the language that I have used throughout these episodes when I'm talking about healing, right, that we need to do because I'm talking about getting out original childhood wounds. I know that's been the language that I've used and healing those original childhood wounds and how those original childhood wounds rule the roost until you heal them. But of course, you don't even know that because you don't even understand how subconscious those wounds are. And obviously when something's on a very subconscious level, you're not aware of it, right? Like it's, you're like asleep to it. You're not conscious to it, correct? So it's like when you're not conscious to something, you're asleep to it. And, but when something that you are asleep to is actually what is ruling the way you go about living your life, the way you go about showing up in life, the way that you asleepedly attract situations to your life, the asleepedly beliefs that you have of yourself, that you carry yourself with throughout life, right? Those original childhood wounds. So what could be more an original childhood wound for me than the fact that literally it is, it's like this one day as I went along, I didn't hear my Sparrow's song. You know what I mean? It was very much that, um, it had to have just been this one day that there was the handoff, you know, that I wasn't with my mom anymore. And I just 100% know that I can think back to that time, but I cannot think to, you know, like a little conversation that I may have been given to say, okay, you know, say goodbye to mom because you're not going to see her anymore. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't recall 
recall it going down like that. It was just more of a like a one day as I went along. She wasn't there. And um, like I just have, as I've gotten more conscious and just more aware and more into the healing that I've done and just connected to the healing resources that I have been connected to. You know, guys, it's like, and that's everybody's personal story. I don't, I don't want to just necessarily, you know, tout, oh, this is what I've done and this is who I've used and all of that stuff because it's, it doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. You know what I mean? But, and it, it's not going to work this, you know, what works for me is not going to work for everybody, but it's definitely, I will just, I'm going to encourage you in this. If you have things that you feel like you just, you need to heal up in your life, look into what you can rely upon as resources for that they're out there they're available you know what I mean so like I said necessarily what worked for me was very specific to like all of the experiences that I had had in life up to that point so like I said that's gonna be very specific to me it's not necessarily it's not gonna you know generally apply to everybody so it's not like I I don't want to share, but it's like also it's very personal for me. And like I it's like I said, it's not gonna like a universal. This is the way to go about it. But yeah, it's like if there are things in life, those original childhood wounds, right? So let's just here's how I can high level just explain things that will explain so much about me, right? Like just who I am as a person. And it's not necessarily like things that you guys are going to pick up just from having listened to only my podcast. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know me, but you don't know me all the way like that. But um, it's just, you know, I will say I have picked up on the fact and I hope I don't offend anybody, but at the same time, you know, I'm not trying to do it with offense. So that's all that I can offer. <laughs> you know what I mean, like I'm not trying to offend anybody. So if I do, I don't mean to. But I have noticed that like when I refer to females a lot of the time, kind of almost primarily, <laughs> like I use the word bitch, right? <laughs> and I don't even do that in like an intended offensive way, which of course, though, I know that it probably does offend a lot of people that hear me just always saying that. I, I really picked up on it on my last episode. And I was just like... I didn't mean it in an offensive way, but it's just like this innate thing in me. I think that like there are so many more uh, maternal sensitivities that I just don't have. I was not raised by my mother. I was not raised by my mother. And so I don't like an, an, another thing that I was thinking, and this, these are things that I shared in the previous episode that I just needed to pare down a lot. It's like I have siblings that were raised, you know, primarily by their mothers, like their mothers have always been in their lives and they, you know, they have never had time apart from their mothers. And I look and they're like, so I almost the word that I'm going to use is like desperately close to their mothers. And that is just not something at all, like a fiber in my body that I can relate to because it's like, I just look at it and I'm like, gosh, you guys, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a little bit too much to me. Um, it's not, it has not been my reality. It was not my reality growing up. Just that maternal instinct connection this is, and I, I, when I, when I say that, I mean like any person's instinct to that's your mother, right? And you have this instinctive love and connection 
and kind of like clingingness to your mother. Like I, that, I, that's void in my life. I don't have. And so just kind of all of those sensibilities that come and they get formed from that very immediate age through life, right? Like that reliance that you can just really have on your mother. I don't have that. And I don't have that type of mindset. So kind of like when I can observe it in other people, it's lost on me. It's almost a cause for confusion. It's almost the cause of like, what the fuck? Like, why is it so intent? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, which of course, it's just going to shape so many things, the idiosyncrasies of who you are that you don't even realize, right? These are these subconscious things. I think another example of what I've been speaking to when it comes to like original childhood wounding, another element of kind of why I think, you know, I'm just, this is not, nothing scientific. It's just my thought processes on this. But another element of why those things remain so subconscious is when you think being as little as I was, my mom tells me I'm the youngest of her children that she gave away. That's my distinction that I get to have of her five children. Um, she gave away more than half of her kids. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, to their fathers or her parents, her parents raised her oldest child. And then she gave her child before me to it's, father and then me to mine so I'm sorry I popped some the little popping bubble sorry I need to not do that um it was just something for your hands right um but yeah so I didn't go into the system or anything like that but you know it's it's a no matter what type of thing um the loss I guess is the word to say of a mother um, to a young child is going to have a effect that will be life altering. Do you know what I mean? It's a, your life is going to be affected by that. That's a major, you know, just adjustment. And now you are going to be a person adjusted to those circumstances. Uh, And it's not for me to present this in a way like, oh, my story trumps your story or anything like that. Or I don't even really want to, but this is also kind of a perspective that I have. It's like, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about people that, you know, and especially like women that weren't raised by their fathers and just kind of all of the adjustments that happen to you as a person based on that. And that is a said thing. It is a, it's a fact. It's a, it's a factual set of adjustments that happen, but it is an absolutely, totally different set of adjustments that are facts when the parent that you're not with is your mother. It's just, it's a different thing. I I threw this out in my previous episode and definitely I want to clarify, I am not like a Wendy Williams representative or anything like that. I just love Hot Topics. So I watch for that, but I would say like any more, it's like, damn girl. Um, anyway, you know what I mean? But one thing that I just kind of commonly hear her tell when it comes to parents, uh, she'll just be like, she'll throw this out, like just randomly a lot, you know, but it'll be like, of course, mom and dad are both important, but really kind of when it comes down to it, it's mom more than dad, right? Like she just always throws it out. She's always talking shit when she says it, but you know, she kind of really means it too. And so 
it, it, it's just, like I said, it's a, it's a set of adjustments that are going to take place in your reality when, out of, especially at a very young age like that, you lose your mother. And not that she died. She didn't die. She just... I used to hear a sparrow singing, baby, but one day as I went along, I didn't hear a song. But I know a sparrow should sing, sparrow should sing, sing on such a morning in spring. Oh, sparrow, why don't you sing? That was horrific, and I wasn't even actually singing right now. Like, I was so off-key with that, but, you know... That is exactly what it was. And so here's how I'll just kind of probably um, wrap up on this discussion of my personal um, situation tied to this song is, um, and I think I started to say this, I feel like my thoughts have been a little bit more cohesive this episode than they were the last. I think I want to kind of throw that out like in that last episode. Good gosh, I was chopping around the world. I couldn't keep one a consistent thought. So that was a very choppy episode. I do apologize for that. It, I don't know why. I just have been sick as fuck. Well, I just really have been the sickest I've ever been in my life, and I'm finally shaking it. So thank God for that. And just everybody, please stay healthy out there. It really is. Fortify your immune system. That's what I would just encourage. Um, Echinacea golden seal an amazing combination of, and then I know like that's, you know, you got to be careful, other medications and all of that stuff. But when I was in my early twenties, I caught a really bad case of something respiratory. Um, I went to a concert with these people at work. We went to a Bonnie Raitt concert and it was in this really confined, you know, indoor little concert hall. And I went with four, three or four people from work, we all came out of that concert with a hacking cough that lasted us for the next month. I mean, it took us all down. And it was at that time that I came across Golden Seal and Echinacea Root. They make, I I think it's Golden Seal. Hold on. I actually just bought another bottle of it this week um, at Wall there. And I was able to just go in and get it. I didn't, because I usually order it online, but I was looking for it and Walmart had it sitting right there on the counter. Echinacea and Golden Seal Extract Blend Immune Health, but that is for immune health. They're tablets. Um, I take two of these with one of the vitamin C fizzy things, you know, that you put in just a little bit of water, fizz that up and chase the two echinacea pills with that and you just have to do what you have to do to stay fortified up right like we're in a situation right now that every single country that's listening to this episode we're on the same boat right we're being surrounded by stuff right now and you know calm calmate tranquilo that's all that i would also just encourage and advise tranquilo calmate fortify up, do what you can. You know what I mean? Like it's nobody is being spared. I live in a state where for the longest time we weren't on the little map, but now we are. And 
It, and even they're like saying that wherever it is is in the county that I stay. So it's like, well, fuck, fall. You know what I'm saying? Like, and uh, money has been really tight because of how sick I have already been for the past six months. I told you guys that to where. Like, I have just had to miss so many days of work, so that impacts my ability to bring money into my household. And so, for the longest time, like, a luxury that I have been willing to splurge on is to have my groceries delivered. But lately, this past couple of months, it's like, I gotta be a little bit tighter with my funds than that. And so, I've been having to take my ass out to the store to get what I need. And... um just for period, not for freaking out about this shit right now, but I've been doing that the past week or so. And then, you know, in the past week, they're saying, oh, well, somebody that lives right here in my county, and more than likely, if they live in my county, they live where I live. So it's like, <laughs> I've been out in it, fool. I've been out in it. I'm keeping my gloves on all the time when I'm going into places. I'm touching everything with my glove. And then I'm um, purelling my gloves. You know what I'm saying? And as soon as I take the gloves off, I'm washing my hands. I'm very good at washing your hands. Wash your hands to sing happy birthday to yourself two times. Okay? Sing, wash your hands, good hot water. Wash it front, back, up to your wrists. I got that little encouragement recently. Just make sure you're coming up to your wrists. But you need to get some soap and be foaming that shit up and rubbing it all around in between and all of that shit until you have gotten done singing yourself happy birthday two times. And then you're done washing your hands. So, you know what I mean? Like, this is what we can do. You can fortify your immune system. You can wash your hands like a, a fiend. Keep your gloves on, touch everything with your gloves on and, you know, whatever else. But um, I was a little disappointed. I will say I was it was a couple weeks back and then they were starting to say encouraging Americans to go out and, you know, just fortify up on more than you need. And I was like, wow, um, I'm not doing that. And then, though, because I haven't, it's like. They put an announcement <laughs> that they, it's gotten so out of control that they're going to now be limiting how much people actually can buy because they have gone in and wiped everything out. It's, it's too much. It's too much. So just tranquilo, calm as hey, this too will pass. And hey, if it doesn't, it, you know, I just, when it ever comes to that, however is our final time, you know, I, I'm not worried about that. I'm never worried about that, that, that is already going to happen. However, that is going to happen. And I, I have no control over that. That's, I will say this, I'm going to, I don't, I think I've thrown it out here before, but I'm going to be very specific about it right now too. Uh, this is just a note to my grandmother. When I was about this age of Sparrow, terrified to death, just walking around all day long, just terrified to death. Hoping that I never broke a bone in my whole entire life. She's like, oh, please don't ever let me break any, any bone in my body. It's terrified of that. Just walking around, fearful of it. Another thing, three things. Um, I hope that I never have to have my appendix removed. Just really hope that I never, ever have to have that happened to me and then also was just scared of death 
and how and when was that going to come about? And so this one particular day, it was uh, after my little piano lesson, and my dad and I went over to my grandparents' house after, and we were chilling with them, and they were watching TV. And this was, they were, two things, they were hardcore into this show, but this was also the very beginning when this show just first came out. I feel like it was the show the first 48 hours or whatever. I don't know, maybe it wasn't that, but it was this show talking about real life, crimes that were taking place and just walking you through like the very first couple days of an investigation into it or whatever. And so it was like a, a marathon of that show. And so they were just in there. They were into it, right? Like we just came over and just needed to get into the show with them because that's what they were doing. <laughs> and so we're sitting there, we're watching the show and it's just episode after, I feel like we sat there and we watched a couple of episodes with them, but both of these episodes were just about these heinous murders that had happened. Like real life, actual crimes, right? Like the, these were real situations that had gone down. And so they were just taking you through what the investigators went through to solve the crime. But they, it was so graphic, the details that they were giving about how these murders specifically were taking place. And so throughout the course of watching this, because just all day long, every day anyway, this is a fear that I have just about death, period. Um, to be sitting there watching these stories, like it was overwhelming me and I was getting really um, just agitated. And so I, I, to the place where I just had to speak and I just had to say, can we please watch something else? Like, I, I don't want to be able to, I don't want to have to sit here and watch these stories of these gruesome murders. And my grandma could really tell, like, it was something like deep with me. And so she was just like, what are you so worried about? Like, what is really going on? And so then I explained to her about how I'm just so scared to die, like period. And just like, I'm always, I'm worried about it all the time. Like, how is it going to happen to me? And, you know, I just, like, I'm preoccupied with it. And she was very calm and she just was like, she almost was laughing because she was just like, death is the one thing that is going to happen to everybody. You know what I mean? Like that is the one thing that everybody has in common. And that is also the one thing that we don't have any control of, but she's like, for you to be like living life terrified of dying is absolutely ridiculous because that's going to happen to you <laughs> one way or another. And see, and then that's the thing that you, you just don't know when that's going to happen or how that's going to happen, but it is going to happen. So it's an absolute waste of life and waste of living life to be completely preoccupied with that and terrified about that because that is a given that is going to happen to you. So you know what I mean? It's like a waste of life worrying about how you're going to die. And when she just like so matter of factly and just very calmly just broke it down to me like that, I swear it was in that moment. I, she gathered me up. My grandmother got my life together for me and handed it to me. And since then, like, I just have not been able to be preoccupied about that. Now, granted, of course, that is something that beforehand and before any type of a trial or tribulation can come your way, you can be kind of convicted of that's how you want to approach that situation. But then, of course, anything could happen that could test you on that. And, and then that would be the true way to tell how you really feel about it. But for 
you know, until and if something like that happens, that's the way that I choose to approach the situation. I just, I don't have time to be living in fear of that. That is literally like, I literally do not have the time to factor in a fear of that into my life. You know what I mean? I know that it's going to happen. It's a given. And I just really trust that whenever it does, it will be the time that it was supposed to happen. So really, therefore, what you have to worry about is what you're doing with your time and how you time to get it together, right? It's time to get it together. It's the message of Sparrow too. It's like, what are you doing for the Sparrow to see? Are you living life right? Are you being a good person? Are you doing the right things that you need to do with life? Um, Not just hyper-focused on death but like how are you living life living life right and doing what you're supposed to do that's that's the most important thing that is what the purpose is so um kind of along those lines I feel like that's kind of the guidance that Marvin is offering a bit in the song further with these lyrics you know where he's just like He's asking the sparrow what the sparrow is singing or seeing, you know what I mean? And it's like, sparrow, I kind of have a feeling you're seeing a lot of things that you you probably don't need to be seeing. You shouldn't be seeing these things here, huh? Like, we would have some sense to understand that we shouldn't be making you have to see, like, a lot of the things that you see, right? Like, that's what we should be concerned with. Like, what does the sparrow see? You know what I mean? What are we giving the sparrow to see? So, yeah, I would say that's probably about it that I have to say about this song, you know, shy of talking to you for an entire two hours, going so deep diving into my life's experience around this song and just how this song autobiographizes my life, but it would just be, yeah, like, I I think I I said I would touch on this, so I I will elaborate a little bit more. It's just those um, childhood wounds, right? And so losing a mother at a very early age like that. Yeah, let me, let me cover this a little bit, um, because I did have this in my previous episode. It was just to say, when we are so very young, when original wounds happen to us, we're so young, that's why they are original wounds, right? Like we haven't been here long enough to have received that wound multiple and multiple and multiple times. It's the original wounding that we get of certain things. When the loss of a parent, right, happens as an original wound, like I said, my mom gives me the distinction of I'm the youngest of her children that she gave away. So I was very, I was less than three. And, um, But I do very much know that the way that I was affected by her stepping out of my life is that it was just this when they as I went along, I didn't hear the song distinction. You know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily I don't have a memory tied to a little conversation that I had to have been not had to, but maybe could have. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't know if like I was sad. I 
obviously, if it did happen to me, I was too little to comprehend it, to remember it to this day. You know what I mean? I can think back. There are certain little flash memories that I can have of moments with my mother from back in that time, but they're literally flash memories. It's like a flash instant. I remember a little tidbit of something that happened. So, but when I think of little children and so this is um, also just an ode to the shadow of your smile episode when I was telling you guys about our next door neighbor and this day that my sister and I went over to go hang out my sister with the little baby my think my sister may have been five or six the little baby was less than two and then me 14 13 14 I think I probably was 14 uh, just turned 14 and uh, our pregnant next door neighbor. And so my sister and the baby went off into the baby's room. And then this is just adorable. And this is my point to how children know their mothers instinctively, right? No matter from immediate. And then it's adorable to see them in that knowledge at those little teeny tiny people ages like that. So and I know my sister probably set this little girl up to do this, but um, they were off in the room and, and the mother had sent them off with some cookies and milk. And after a little bit, they were out there, they were playing or whatever. And then after a little bit, the little girl comes out because me and the mom are out in the living room. We're having our little conversation and the little girl comes out and she's like, mom, mom, mom mom and she just like wasn't gonna stop until her mother acknowledged her <laughs> and so then her mother's like yeah and then she was like can we and she said my sister's name is as well as she could say it so that was adorable too she's like can we have some more cookies it's <laughs> like I bet you my sister told her why don't you go why don't you go ask mom for some more cookies? you know what I mean? <laughs> so but it was adorable I mean it's when and she was as high as your knee you know what I mean if even and she complete, that was her mother. And she knew that she knew that was her mother. I can look at my adorable little, you know, children that are running around nowadays you know, from my sisters. They know their mothers. They, they're very little, but they have a complete to their core knowledge that, of who their mother is, right? Like they know that is their mother. They know I'm not their mother. You know what I mean? Like they know the love that I have, but I'm not their mother. You know what I mean? They know who their mother is. And so when you're a little person like that and your comprehension, you're like, okay, so here was something that I threw out to as a little example. Um, one day my sister and I are playing with my little nephew and I'm sitting on the step and my sister is sitting on the floor a little bit away from me. So we probably got like four or five feet in between us and the little boy, he's just running back and forth between us. He's going from one side of the house and then he's running all the way over to the other side of the house. But whatever he was coming in between us, I wasn't touching him. I was just reaching out, like putting my little hands, like little claws out to him. But his mom was like grabbing him and tickling him. And then I was like, was I going to get him? You know what I'm saying? So he's just running in between us, going back and forth and each time as he gets in between us he's like ah he's just so is he gonna get caught you know and so he's doing this back and forth right because they can do that for forever and then all of a sudden one of the times that he's doing it he kind of stops close to me just in the middle of doing it and he just kind of stopped and he stood there and then just for 10 
seconds or so, he was just glazed over and off in La La Land. And right when it was happening, I was sitting there and I was observing him. And in real time, when this happened, I said to my sister, I'm like, sis, look at him. I'm like, his little mind or his little brain or something is like growing right now. Or, or he's like forming some kind of a little memory or he's having like a little growth spurt or something right now because just for like these couple of seconds like he is incapacitated by whatever (laughs) his little brain is needing to do right now to grow a little bit or something you know what I mean like his little brain waves are just it's almost like they are kind of always subconsciously operating when they're that little age you know what I mean and what they say is when you're at that age everything that is happening from the adults and your peers you are absorbing as belief so and I think it's because your little mind is like kind of constantly subconsciously operating the things that happen to you come in on that level the subconscious level Right. That's the reason why for most people, unless you are like a freak of nature that you have just total recall and you can remember every single little thing. When you look back on me, I have like I said, I have little flash memories of my mother from that time. Other than that, I can't remember her. I can't. I cannot remember my time with my mother, you know, and as she will be the first to point out the time that she was in my life. You know, she had me for a few years and she wants to own those years and she wants to claim those years and those years count. You know what I mean? And I've been around my mom, you know, like I, I've explained that to you. Like when I uh, graduated from high school and I was going to college, that was the closest in proximity I ever lived to her. So it was at that age. I was grown, right? I was an adult. And it was at that age that I began to form a relationship with her because I would just take like a little 20 minute ride from college over to her house. And that's how I started to get to know my mother. But from the time before I was three that she gave me to my dad, she was completely out of my life. I can count on less than one hand the number of times that I saw my mom from less than three until I started to go see her when I was 18. It's just when you're on that very subconscious little level like that, that's where things get absorbed. That's that's our ability. We cannot look back on time with like cohesive, clear you know, very long sequential memories of, oh, on that day, this thing happened. You, you just don't remember it like that. So those things form as beliefs. If you're a little child like that and you're going along and you're sparrow and just one day as you're going along, you don't hear the sparrow song and that's your depth of comprehension of this thing. But you know you should hear the sparrow. You've been hearing that sparrow all the time up to this point, right? Like that's every part of your life so far is relying on your sparrow's song, right? And so you know you know you know that you should hear your sparrow singing and oh sparrow, why don't you sing? You know what I mean? Um as much as you're capable, you're going to start to try and figure out and work through why you don't hear that sparrow singing anymore. Are you bad? Do the people that you love leave you? Are you not worthy of love? You know, are you just going to drive people away? 
these are your little they become your beliefs they're subconscious you become older on the cognitive level you're stepping out you're trying to put your best foot forward but you have from original wounds these little subconscious beliefs from that little teeny tiny knee high less than knee high person that was trying to process and work through and absorb and understand and and deal cope with these traumas that happened and they form these beliefs and of course as you're stepping out you don't step out trying to meet somebody new saying okay first date people that I love leave me I'm not worthy of love I'm a bad person you know what I mean? My own mother didn't, you know, love me enough to stay with me. You don't, you don't, you're not introducing yourself like that to somebody. <laughs> but until you can get a handle on what it is subconsciously that is ruling your roost, you are never going to have better results than operating with those wounds. Okay. You have got to identify what those wounds are and you've got to heal them up. And so, this is where I'm at with my life, you know, like I have also noticed that I really, from my core state in these episodes, like how comfortable I am with who I am as a person, right? Like I am just me and I'm good with it. And I really don't, I'm not avoiding things that I need to work on. I've done so much of my healing work. I will honestly say I haven't really addressed this shit from, you know, these mother leaving me wounds. Um, they just, I never wanted to operate with them being predominate in my life. My other sister, the one that went with her dad, um, it was my interpretation. It was my observation of her years back. I think she's a changed person now, but when we were much younger, it, in my conception of, of kind of how she was affected by her wounding from this was as if it was the predominant thing in her life. This was that way. And that was this way. And that was that way because mom left her. You know what I mean? It was like everything flowed back to the source and it was just kind of this constant forefront thing in her mind and everything just kind of attributed to it. And it just was this in my judgment of it, like a victim mentality. And I just, I never wanted to approach how I set out with things from that perspective. You know what I mean? It was like, fuck it, dude. Like, whatever. Like I said, I think it's more of the way that it's affected me is like I said, I can observe people that are so like, like I said, I'm going to use the word again, like desperately close with their mothers. <laughs> and that's like my judgment of it. It's like, I can't <laughs> relate. <laughs> I can't relate. You know what I mean? And even to where I'm at right now, where it's like I did, I took probably a good decade and I just took my time forming and forging a relationship with my mother. And then it kind of served its purpose. And it's just kind of it, that was a time it was a it was a season in my life. And so, um, but yeah, be your wounds, whatever they are. This is I don't know, it's the most crystal clear examples that I've, you know, ever been able to offer, but it, that's what I'm talking about. Original wounding, right? These little tra traumas that happen to us when we're little mini me versions of ourselves, we have not got the 41 year old mentality to be able to work through what's going on here. All that we are able to observe is I used to hear a sparrow singing 
And one day, as I went along, I didn't hear it sung. That's, that's my only comprehension of this. Because I will say, you know, my family, they, they loved me up and they, they absorbed me up. So I, there was no gap. Um, you know what I mean? And like I said, I didn't go into the system or anything. I was always able to just be with my people and my family. And I've been protected and loved and safe and all of that shit. But the, and so that's the reason why I also don't give a fuck how that makes anybody feel that I'm speaking my truth because this is my truth. This is my life. And this is how it affected me regardless of how that makes somebody else feel like that's, it's not to make somebody else feel away. Like it's my life and it's my experience and I'm entitled to speak it. But you know, it's like, no matter what it it is a thing that adjusted me into who I am to like so many of the idiosyncrasies of me that even I can't pinpoint and identify. But I, if I would have to just kind of like, it stems to the source, it flows back to the source. I know that this set of circumstances shaped this about me. You know what I mean? So things that are becoming um, inhibitors and roadblocks, and they're kind of preventing you from, like I said, having more success in aspects and avenues in life that, you know, then you want, you want more success than this or that roadblock, identify where it originally sources from, you know what I mean? And just love on yourself, soothe on yourself, go back to view at the age that you are now. And this is very helpful. This is one little bit of, of, you know, technique that I will offer. Find a picture of yourself at the age where you can identify that this trauma happened, right? Like, so for me, you know, just little pictures of me as a baby. See the little you like that, that little precious, innocent, pure angel you. That's you. And that is who you were at that age. When this trauma happened to you, you were good. You were pure. You were little angel. Love on you, heal you, heal that you, you know, take that trauma away from that little you, love you, heal you, fortify you, soothe you, strengthen you, have your back, be your biggest fan, um, you know, and be your sparrow, be knowing, like I said, there's, oh my gosh, everything that's happening to all of us in the world right now, good gosh, you know. But what does the sparrow see? And just work on what you want your sparrow to see. Keep in mind your sparrow and and what are you putting out there for your sparrow to see. All right, guys. Um, Like I said, that covers this project because there's just, uh, there's Funky Space Reincarnation. That's just a groovy, groovy song. Um, There's not really like a deep message in that. (laughs) It's just Marvin Gaye groove. That's just pure Marvin Gaye groove. You just get your groove onto that. That's all you need to know about that. That song's just to get groove onto. I've got that up as the song of the day video. I did a little countdown on that. It's kind of cute. Yeah. And then so in the other song, well, Anna's song, but I feel like we've kind of addressed Anna's song so many times and it is probably you know it's the culmination of I feel like you know as I just gave you the little timeline in the beginning of this episode of how Marvin was approaching this project um 
you know, I would almost maybe feel like he got to Anna's song in 78. Like something would just maybe tell me that would might have. And that was one thing that I read in this little essay, too, is that the, it was very, very hard to determine what was the sequential order songwriting timeline. Like Marvin wrote this song, then he wrote this song. Like it just is very difficult to tell that from the notes. Um, but some, you know, it's like Anna's song is the culmination of this project, really, you know, and it's just approaching it from, okay, we've gotten the backstory, the current story, the good, the bad, the ugly, but let's finish it out with the beautiful, you know, and let's finish it out with the ultimate dedication. Um, cause I do like what he said, you know, I, knew all the time I would find the rhyme, you know, and that he kind of just had always told her he was going to write a song, you know, specifically for her. And I love that, you know, it's like, if I'm going to do that, I'm calling it your name. Because we have all of this, oh, she, you know, you even hear Anna, there's this, there's this one um, documentary, it's on my Marvin Gaye YouTube channel and the um, documentaries playlist. It's one that Showtime did. Uh, in the 80s, I believe, late 80s, maybe early 90s. It might be actually the early 90s. And Anna's interviewed in that extensively. And she's just talking about how you're a wonderful one, pride and joy, um, how sweet it is to be loved by you, right? Those were the songs that she feels like Marvin was singing about her and their love. So there's that, having a song dedicated to you, having a song written for you. But just like Marvin wrote a song for Jan called Jan. You know what I mean? He wrote a song for Anna called Anna's Song. There's a distinction between, oh, I can probably assume that you're speaking about me. You're, I'm your muse in, in the subject matter of this song. But there's another thing altogether when the name of the song is my name. So he, he did that. You know what I mean? Like that's here, my dear. You know what I mean? Here is finally your song. And like I say, we've covered it really what there is to say about that song is the most that de- I mean that's the reason why most deaf is in the bonus episode where I'm saying times that celebrities or you know just people peripheral people just people dropped major Marvin Gaye knowledge on me as I'm going through life and I just needed to get gathered up by somebody else just schooling me hardcore life changing took my breath away in the moment dropping knowledge on me about Marvin Gaye and so when most deaf says in the American Masters PBS documentary on Marvin Gaye when they get to this album and he's saying that throughout the album you just feel like you're hearing his private mutterings to himself and then when it gets to the song Anna and he's it's opera Anna 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 it's, and it was like, oh, it is opera. And how many times have we heard reference opera, symphony, right? Marvin is a all the way around artist. Um, I really love um, the Anna instrumental. Um, so, and let me, I will, I'm going to clarify one thing about the status of me not having my original disc from when I was 15 or 16 and I bought myself here, my dear, and I lost that disc and I have the reissue and I lost the original version on that disc. Something tells me possibly, Ooh, and I don't know why I did this, but I think I actually gave that disc to someone. 
And I don't even know who it is. Like, I just, I'm, I can't be specific to who it was. But I, I legitimately think I gave the reissue original to somebody. And the other one broke. The one that I bought when I was 15 or 16, it, I literally wore it out till it cracked coming out of my CD player in my car. But at some point in time, I took the original studio version and I made my own mix. This, I don't just I don't know who the fuck I thought I was, but I do, I did it. <laughs> so I went through and I did a combination disc of most of the original release tracks. But then, like I told you, when I did the episode on anger, I did the alternate take version of it. I spoke to you on the alternate take version of it. So when I put, I skipped anger in the original, this little mix disc that I did for myself. I didn't include the studio version, released version, the, the album released version of anger. Cause I told you that's for some reason, that's not the version of the song that resonates with me. It's this alternate take one. And there is on the reissue, there's a little instrumental of Anna that is very beautiful and I close out my little mix disc with that little instrumental. I think it's only maybe like a 30 second. It's not a very long uh, song at all. Well, anyway, the version that I have, they might have a couple versions of it. This is one thing that I did just read in this little essay here, which was kind of frustrating me and why I didn't. I started to read it. I got frustrated. I had to walk away and then I came back. It wasn't frustrating. They were not talking shit. It was just too much information. <laughs> and then I realized it's like I just really struggle. <laughs> with too many people talking to me about Marvin Gaye <laughs> too many people's opinions on Marvin I don't give a fuck you know what I mean and then when they're talking about too many musician people I just like I don't know uh. so what they were saying though when I just said the musician part I'm going to clarify what I mean by that they were just explaining that on the reissue the, to get to this 30th anniversary reissue of this album there is, like I said, there's two discs and the first is the original album from 1978. And then there's a second disc of alternate takes. Well, I guess how these alternate takes came about is they, whoever was producing this project or whatever, right? Like, so whoever, whatever, and I don't even, I'm sorry, I don't give a fuck, but whoever, um, they went through and they were looking for the original studio, original recording, real tape, whatever of all of the music. And they got their hands on all of that. And they sifted through that. Um, and, you know, the takes that weren't released, you know, just Marvin's versions of things. And then they assigned, they allowed current day producers to come through. And people raised their hand to say they were, they, they were like, this is, you get one song and you're going to produce it. You're going to take and you do nothing. I do like what they said. You do nothing to Marvin's vocals. You can maybe clean up the music a little bit or whatever, or just kind of, you know, but you're, you're going to produce it. They were like, what did they say? I, let me see. Let me find this sentence. But I did like that. I did like that. Like, all right, now. I think maybe that's about where I stopped and got a little frustrated because I was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? But they were like, okay, hold on. So yeah, they were saying they came across these original tapes and it was raw, it was unmixed. Um, they, it had like, some of it had no form. Okay, so then they sent out 
to select producers and artists and mixers. Okay, and now I'm quoting. Pick one song, mix it as if you were there. Bring it old school, no overdubs, no samples, just Marvin and his band. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all bet y'all motherfuckers bet not. That's the reason why. So then I felt a little bit stupid after I read that too. Because I was like, when I told you guys that when I gave you the episode on anger and I specifically focused on the alternate take here, well, that's because it was... I'm looking at it. It was produced. Yeah, they're talking about the mix was produced by somebody from current days. So they found, you know, just like these uncut, like it is that raw unmixed things, but then they kind of made it the final product that we're hearing on the um, second disc there of these alternate takes. Like that is these current day producers versions of how they went in and as if they just Marvin had you know had this instrumentation and put these vocals down and then they produced the final thing so like whatever (laughs) Um, but that is a little bit of insight into what those versions are so it's definitely not and I don't know that we have ever gotten that degree of explanation on alternate takes of Marvin Gaye songs on these reissued projects before because I have definitely had an impression and including on this that the alternate takes of songs that we get of Marvin's on these reissued projects like I said and I have explained that is just Marvin's work in progress he's such a perfectionist he's going to go back over a song four or five times until he gets it to what he's comfortable with that was on the actual album that was released and so i kind of you know what i'm saying i don't like my mama don't like a whole lot of people i don't like a whole lot of people and i know marvin also don't like a whole lot of people you know touching his shit so that's why i'm just like all right now but I like what I just read about that. Don't know with samples and no, don't chop it up and, and you better not, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I do very much appreciate that they, they broke it down to me as Marvin Gaye purists. Like what you guys had as your little parameters when you went in and got your little grubby hands. <laughs> oh my goodness. So. I think like that's just, you know, ending it on that is perfectly in line with what this whole podcast series is about. Only Marvin will do. Don't fuck with his art. Um, Yeah. And he is the baddest motherfucker that there ever is. So, yes, Um, I have not yet decided where we're going next. Actually, I kind of do think I have in mind where we're going next. Um, And I'll try and get to it much sooner than you know this one took me to get to um stay good stay well stay encouraged stay calm and you know what guys you know what what is what is the prescription marvin gay i've got my music okay He says it doesn't matter, kind of no matter what else comes, goes and comes in and is a trial and a tribulation. We have all got this music 
okay? We've gone through several and several and several specific songs right now. Listen to the song of the day. I give it to you every day. I am really dedicated to that now every day. I think, I don't know, I kind of high level. It's, it's my passion. It's allowing me to, you know, engage in art and creativity. What do I see as the message of the song? But I'm giving you the song of the day. Listen to your Marvin Gaye. You have Marvin Gaye, okay? Every day, all day. What have I told you? The healing properties. You've got Marvin Gaye. It's, I think what we just the most have got to do right now is just calm the mind and just be calm and tranquil. So you have got Marvin Gaye for that. He's got you covered. He has got you covered. All right. So yes, soon we will be covering a whole new project. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. (laughs) Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Follow us on Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, we are up to 45,000 views per month. I have thousands of images and videos of Marvin. Also, check out the YouTube channel, Marvin Gaye's Enduring Gifts. I'm building the song of the day playlist there. It's my ultimate goal to become your free online Marvin Gaye listening resource. So as always, we really appreciate your listening support. Give us subscribes, give us likes, and thank you for listening.